Last episode, we began discussing how our actions fit into the Buddha's Noble Eightfold Path. And because our time was limited, we were able to cover only the first of four precepts, abstaining from causing physical harm. Today, then, we're just going to pick up where we left off and discuss the next precept. Abstain from taking what is not given. The Buddha said, Avoid taking what is not given, and abstain from it. Do not take away with thievish intent that which another person possesses. And do not take more than what is offered. With this precept, I think it's important to first address what I think is a fundamentally misguided framework or orientation, a kind of posture we take to the world here in the West. That is, we tend to view ourselves as the center of the universe. We move through the world looking at it in terms of what it can do for us. Because of our Judeo-Christian underpinnings, which I think too many of us have come to take literally, there's this deep-seated idea that we were put onto this earth. That Everything was, in some sense, made for us. But, as Alan Watts said so beautifully, we do not come into this world. We come out of it as leaves from a tree. This shift in frame dramatically changes the Buddha's second precept. With this new understanding or view, we see that nothing is ours. Everything belongs to the earth. It belongs to the collective. We're only borrowing the earth's resources for a time, including our very own bodies. Deborah Adele captures this quite succinctly. We're visitors in the fullest sense of the word. You wouldn't go to a friend's house for dinner, complain about the food, leave your shit lying around, and walk off with the candlesticks because you wanted them. And yet, this is so often how we treat our world. Non-stealing asks us to live in harmony and reciprocity with the whole of existence. Where stealing expresses our greed or envy, our egocentricity. Non-stealing is the expression of love and compassion. It's an expression of our fundamental non-duality. So, really, abstaining from taking what is not given implies a lot more than not stealing. It's an inherent understanding that we're in debt to this gift called life. When we really understand this, we can see that when we possess or own our things, we are in a way stealing from life. Now, of course, there's utility in property law. I understand that we don't want to live in a world where we have no claim to our homes, cars, phones, laptops, and other possessions. That would be a nightmare. What I'm pointing to here runs deeper 
than the relative level. It exists on the ultimate, with the direct experiential understanding of our selfless nature. Here, we can't possess anything. Because, however, we play out our lives on the relative level, we'll naturally use language like my house, my car, my phone. We just need to be careful that our language doesn't distract us from the deeper truth that nothing really is ours. We got to remember to keep one hand on the truth, to hold the relative and the ultimate together. When we do this, we can start to view everything in our possession as something precious, something on loan to us, as something we need to take really good care of. When we forget and get lost in the relative world, when we collapse into thought, we succumb to greed. We forget that everything is borrowed, and so we end up stealing in all kinds of ways. You don't need to look far to see that our greed has stolen from every creature of this planet. We've dumped plastics into our oceans, destroyed forest upon forest, replaced more and more of the Earth's surface with concrete jungles, landfills, and commercial crops that destroy the soil. And what about the future? Aren't we stealing from it, too? Stealing from our children and grandchildren? Consuming with an insatiable appetite? Again, as Deborah Adele says, we exist in a giant black hole, which no amount of possessions can fill. There's excess everywhere. Excess in our bodies. Excess in our closets. Excess in our schedules. We've forgotten entirely about tomorrow. We live as if there will be no one here after us. Let's change our focus from what we don't have to the abundance that's right in front of us. Let's live in the peace and joy of contentment rather than in the pain and emptiness of lack and want. Let's expand not our possessions, but our very beings by getting in touch with the vast gratitude that's available to us. Gratitude for the earth, for its resources. Gratitude for life, for all those who came before us and sacrificed so much, even their lives, so we could live with more freedom. A hundred times a day, I remind myself that my inner and outer life depend on the labors of other people, living and dead, and that I must exert myself in order to give in the full measure I have received and am still receiving. Albert Einstein In all the instances where we still, we make the situation about ourselves not about the whole. And it often comes from a place of greed and scarcity, both which ironically impoverish our hearts and minds. One subtle or not-so-subtle way we see this is when we trump or one-up people 
when we come behind them with a bigger, better story. Usually, we do this just to buoy our own sinking ego. Look out for it when you engage in conversation with others. Are you really taking an interest in the other person? Or are you just looking for ways to steal attention? Let's try to take some time to sink into the other person's story before we jump in with our own. Something closely related to this is when we don't give our attention to others. Look and see for yourself with insight meditation that we, at bottom, are the space in which everyone and everything is arising. The mind, the unformed stillness, is what holds everything. So when we don't pay attention to the people around us, we steal from their existence in a way. Watch this, especially when it comes to our kids. I can't express how much we steal from our children when we don't give them the attention they need. Not a spoiled attention, but an intention of true love and care. One that contains the wisdom of no. What a world it would be if each of our children grew up knowing that they were seen, felt, and appreciated. Another subtle way we steal from ourselves and others is when we enter into that nasty comparing mind. By its very nature, with the comparing mind, we step into a dualistic frame where we intend to put someone or something above or below the other. That is, we take value or worth from someone or something. And this is very often our own. When we compare ourselves to others, we often find scarcity in ourselves. We think we're lacking. And on the other side, we're just doing this to another. There's a common saying that's attributed to many people, but it says, comparison is the thief of joy. Well, before we turn and look at some of the antidotes to stealing, let me first just reflect some questions to explore how we might be stealing from ourselves. When you impose an outside image of you onto yourself, are you not stealing from the uniqueness, from the very essence of who you are? When you don't believe in yourself, are you not stealing the vitality and passion from your heart to live and express freely? When you judge, or criticize yourself? Are you not stealing from your own self-worth? What about when you live in a constant state of hurry and busyness? When you don't give yourself time to listen to your heart 
or digest and assimilate your experiences? Aren't you stealing from yourself when you don't allow yourself time to contemplate, reflect, and rest? Are any of the stories you're telling yourself boxing you in and limiting yourself from your full potential? Are you the victim which lends itself only to pity and pain? All right, let's look at some antidotes to stealing. So I've already alluded to two of them, gratitude and contentment which are incredibly skillful means to alleviate the suffering of greed, lack, and want. I've discussed many times in other places how to cultivate gratitude and contentment, so I won't go into much detail here. Perhaps I'll just encourage you once again to practice insight meditation, which at its core cultivates a mind of contentment connection and wholeness. But there's one more antidote I want to highlight. One that cuts straight to the heart of our spiritual practice and taps into the boundless wellspring of love within each of us. That is generosity, the far opposite of greed. The power of generosity to open, soften, uplift, and expand the heart is so powerful that the Buddha is said to have begun every public discourse with generosity. The Buddha said, If you knew what I know about the power of giving, you wouldn't let a single mill pass without sharing it in some way. Now, as with all our trainings along the path, generosity too is a practice. It can be cultivated, developed, and strengthened. And when we do, it can lead to tremendous new levels of peace, non-attachment, and ease. To begin, it may be prudent to simply open awareness to generosity, to open to the generosity in the world, as well as the impulse of generosity in your own heart, and to see how this generosity shapes and colors your mind. Next, especially if you've been conditioned to live from a scarcity mindset, you can practice tentative giving. By this, I mean exploring hypothetically giving something away. You might have an old possession you never really use and consider giving it away. See what this does to your heart and mind, even if, in the end, you aren't ready to depart from it. I bet you'll find some joy by tapping into a sense of connection with the person on the receiving end. See if this creates space in your heart and a sense of expansion in your mind. Another way to practice generosity is to share your things rather than give them away. Let others share in the enjoyment of your possessions. See what this does to your sense of well-being. Then, as you grow more comfortable with giving, as you eliminate the sense of scarcity within yourself, 
you can then practice giving freely and discover the joy in that munificence. Of course, this doesn't mean you need to give everything away. We need to be compassionate and caring with ourselves, too. Rather, simply give where you can without adding unnecessary stress to your life. Practice cultivating generosity, and I can guarantee you'll discover an abundance within yourself. Continue down this road, and I think you'll discover more and more that you don't need a lot of things to be happy. It's our relationship to life, to the Dharma, that determines our happiness or sorrow, not the number of possessions we have. It is witnessing that you are always, already, entirely whole. Now, to close out, I just want to share this bit by Khalil Gibran, who says, You give but little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. With generosity of heart, may you truly be at peace.